Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, SGS Nation? And we are live and running live on this new software, all being orchestrated by Space Coast behind the scenes in the lovely Los Angeles. Of course, uh, this is Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. And we do it day in and day out. It is not a tagline. It is the way we live our life with the very best guests in true crime. And tonight, a very disturbing story and trend in Ohio with a quote-unquote extraordinary surge in missing children. Children are disappearing from northern Ohio in record numbers with more than 1,000 minors reported missing so far this year alone. And more than 45 children have gone missing in the Cleveland-Akron area in September. Uh, And in August, there were more than 35 missing minors. That's according to the Ohio Attorney General's Missing Children's website. Uh, Without further ado, let me introduce you to the best guest tonight. Not only is he an active detective, but he is also a doctor, Dr. Detective Troy Looney, Ph.D. in Space Coast. I'm just going to have you uh, – I'm hearing my little echo there, so we will fix that. But uh, Dr. Detective Troy Looney, uh, he is a Ph.D. career in law enforcement. He spent the first 20 years in uniform patrol, and now uh, he is a detective in the Major Crimes uh, Against Persons Unit. He investigates all major crimes, such as capital murder, homicide, overdose deaths. He's even doing financial crimes now. And then we've got Jennifer Koffendoffer, career in federal law enforcement, spanned over 28 years and included extensive investigative operational uh, leadership and training experiences. She's a special agent with the FBI. She's also an expert in self-defense. And then we've got Scott Roeder. He is an internationally recognized evidence specialist and founder of the Evidence Room. He's consulted over 1,500 cases since 2001. He did a Surviving My Biggest Case on the Oscar Pistorius case. A quick reminder, please support us on Patreon as well as on YouTube. Uh, If you can't do that, Apple Podcasts, we would love five stars from you, and uh, you can always find our stuff on survivingthesurvivor.com. And uh, Space Coast, I'm hearing a little echo-ishness, so if uh, I don't know if you have an extra uh, thing to pop down, but if we can turn that off, that would be a huge help, whatever that is. Just to give some perspective here, and then we'll get into Dr. Looney. Detective Looney had some really great questions. But um, the National Crime Information Center received reports for more than 337,000 missing children in 2022. That is one stat, 337,000. But in other statistics, cites 460,000 missing kids in a single year. That is the U.S. Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention. Uh, According to the National Crime Information Center, uh, their annual report, there are 97,000, over 97,000 active missing peoples, including adults and children. So to you, Dr. Uh, Looney, and I don't know if you're hearing the same thing I am, but um, why so many missing kids, not just in Ohio, but nationally? So thank you, Joel. And um, so looking at this uh, article, particular uh, specifically that came out, 
what comes to mind are, you know, the numbers, the reporting, and essentially, you know, what do these numbers mean? Um, from a perspective of thinking of Ohio specifically, I think you talked about Cleveland Akron, um, talking with detectives and looking at the process of how they investigate. I do know there are a large number of habitual reports that take place and potentially runaways. But of course, as um, Cleveland Chief, I believe, said, one child is too many that's missing. So ultimately, trying to identify the factors, the reason behind this, whether it be um, runaway or just, again, could be home life or whatever uh, various factors come to mind, it is a report. And what I've identified for Akron, at least, is the homeless missing and the juveniles are reported and the numbers are uh, compiling with data in that aspect. Um, and Jen, uh, I know this is an issue that's close to your heart, obviously an FBI agent for close to three decades. Um, same question to you. I mean, to me, and we're, we're going to break down this thousand missing in Ohio, and I did some research about you know sex trafficking and Ohio is among the worst states, but it's an astonishing number. I mean, they're talking about 97,000 active uh, missing people, including adults and children in the United States. But 460,000 kids reported missing a year is just is this primarily because of the way things are being reported or is this a real serious issue in this country that that's being underreported by the media? Well, I do think it is such a serious issue. I, you know, I totally agree that one is too many. We want to see that people that are missing get the attention that Gabby Petito got, which is exactly what the Petito Schmitz have been pushing for all this time. It was wonderful to see Charlotte Senna have all that push, you know, to help find her. And the miracle took place that I think all of us feared would have never taken place. So one is too many, but I will say this. Uh, today, I really dissected some of these numbers, Joel, and looked at, of course, uh, some of the reporting. And from at least what I looked at, it looks like a lot of those numbers go back to 1920s. In other words, they really compiled a huge list of historical cases as well. And they also have solved or have found the missing children and only have 137 cases right now on the books, including adult and children. So I agree with you, Joel, it's such a huge issue. But I hope in this case that these statistics are reflecting exactly what's happening. Uh, and I agree with you. And I saw that same um that same figure, and it does, you know, one of these cases goes all the way back to 1928. So we're going to get into that. Uh, and I know uh, Dr. Detective, that's tough to remember to say, Dr. Detective. Uh, never had one of those on our show, but we're going to have Dr. Looney. And by the way, I met Dr. Looney uh, at CrimeCon, stand-up guy, great guy, and uh, told him we'd have him on the show, and here he is. So, uh, and Roder, you better show up to the next CrimeCon, which is in Nashville, Scott Roder. But um, Scott Roder, I asked him to last time so i couldn't make it yeah all right well this time i'm gonna make sure you're there you should be presenting there but um scott roder i kind of refer to him as a sort of a mad scientist but in a good way and uh he sent me a text right before we went on the show and he said i did some research and he took a picture of that chalkboard behind him uh he's re he researched you know the issue with these missing kids and you can see that mind at work 
Uh, what do you think is the big issue here, Scott Roeder? And uh, is there any way that 460,000 kids should be going missing in this country a year? Well, absolutely not. It's an it's a absolute tragedy uh, of epic proportions. You know, I think about this in the terms of, um, you know, predators and prey, right? So if you look in the wild, um, you know, a, a lion or any kind of a predator is going to uh, try to attack a, uh, a young pup that doesn't have his mom around, right? Same thing with the human predator. Uh, they're going to try to go for the disadvantaged child, the broken home child, the troubled child in school, the troubled child with drugs, the troubled child with law. And and those are going to be the, the pups without the protection. And, uh, and those are the kids, I think, predominantly are the ones that are going missing. You know, the, you know, the John Benet Ramsey's is one in a million uh, in that family and neighborhood and so on and so forth. It's really the underprivileged children throughout the entire uh, world uh, that this happened. Now, you know, we've got to break these numbers down a little bit. You know, of the uh, 500,000 estimated, give or take, because I think the figures are hard to pin down, um, 97 0.8%, according to law enforcement, are resolved, you know, within a week, 90% are resolved within a day. Uh, so we've got an, an estimated 11,000 kids that really don't get resolved on a year-to-year -year basis, and there's got to be some accumulation. I don't know if we have a uniform numbering system uh, where there's where all of these kids can be listed. Um, you know, so I think that's a problem. But then you break down that number of those 11,000 kids and about 2% of those kids are what's called kidnapped by stereotypical means, uh, meaning uh, abducted by a, a family, a maintenance, or a stranger. And that's a, that's a low number, uh, 200, but that's obviously 200 too many. I think the, the mixture of that 11,000 number, the mixture of Teenagers that run away, get mixed up in drugs and sex trafficking, whether on a semi-voluntary or, uh, you know, kind of an end-of-the-road kind of a scenario um, that they get wrapped up in. Um, so but then the other thing about Ohio is, yeah, Ohio's got a 1,000 open cases. One place I read uh, is 468, and then another place I read it's less. Uh, but one thing I looked at was the numbers. The state of California is the number one on – uh, actual number of children because they have the most population, approximately 3,000 children at any one time in the state of California. Number two is Texas, and then Florida, and then Arizona. Uh, Arizona is an outlier because they have 9 million population. They have over 2,000 missing kids. Ohio has 1,000 missing kids, and we have a population of 11 million. So I think we're about average for the country. Uh, but I think there is some very specific things here in Ohio, particularly Toledo and Detroit, that area, where I think well, is probably the area where these actual children might be, you know, staged to either go on a train, on a boat, or on a plane internationally. And I think uh, Ohio and that little corner is strategically positioned for international flights out of Detroit, international boat rides to California. And then we have international rail lines that are right there that go across the lake uh, as well. So there's a lot of areas for um, smuggling 
of human people uh, in that particular area. So that's what I've uncovered in, you know, in part, you know, not to take up too much time, but that's kind of what I've, uh, what I've uh, learned for the last few days here. Um, that's uh, that's a lot, a lot of homework you did there. And uh, Dr. Looney and Jen I'm, and, and Scott, I'm not sure if you're, you know, I'm having a little bit of a hard time hearing you, but we're trying to fix it on the back end. It's going out over YouTube fine. So bear with us, but um, missing kids in Ohio uh, specifically, uh, there are more than a thousand minors reporting missing so far this year, uh, 45 in September alone in the Cleveland Akron area have gone missing. Um, and, and that is, as I said, August and September, uh, and the yearly number for Ohio, uh, is 18,000. So detective doctor, uh, doctor detective Troy Looney to you, um, what do we need to know about the reporting here specifically? Cause is that what's at the crux of the issue? And, uh, you know, I know, I know some people are going to say, oh, you know, these guys are hopping on this story. Well, this has made headlines everywhere because it's very important if in fact the reporting is okay and this number is still incredibly high but um what do you say i mean it, it, for the number of children missing as reported what are the reasons if you can identify them so thank you joel so again as scott mentioned a large number for ohio a large percentage of these reports uh, show the kids have actually been recovered and i think you mentioned 95 to 97 percent uh, I talk with detectives and we keep a daily active missing list of kids and adults. So as of yesterday, our numbers were showing roughly 38 minors on the actively reported missing. And those detectives identified this as uh, these numbers is all being runaways, essentially, or habitual runaways. Again, not trying to blame the kids. There could be several factors such as home life, foster kids, uh, custody issues or neglect, uh, a large host of, of elements that factor in. But looking, talking with the detectives, again, these numbers were all reported as actively, um, active runaways and actively missing people, essentially, again, including the missing homeless that is also integrated into the numbers. So looking at the factors and reasons, um, again, the reporting system, can we do better reporting? Absolutely. Is it any particular agency or entity's fault, parents or law enforcement? Not necessarily. I think it's just a matter of keeping up with what's going on, identifying where we can factor in and work collectively together. Uh, again, some of these kids are habitual runaways where there's repeat reporting. So you may have a child that is recovered the same day, takes off again that night or the next day, and it has to be documented. There's mandatory reporting also for parents and foster parents that's required. Uh, again, one child's too many. And this is the, a good reason for this discussion. Um, looking at the list as of yesterday, I also inquired with detectives, how many of these 38 minors are have suspicious circumstances? They said none. How many are repeat offenders or repeat, I'm sorry, repeat runaways? They said all of them actually. And that doesn't account for the missing homeless. So we're actively tracking on a daily basis. It's updated daily, uh, twice a day even, to determine where these kids, let's bring them back home safely. It's about their safety first and about um, just securing their well-being. Uh, 
well said, doctor. And uh, left to right here, you see some of the missing children, Mackenzie Miller, Malachi Herring, Tania Lundy, and then on the bottom, Chris Anderson, Diamond Buchanan, and Jehael Ramirez, uh, Jehael Ramirez. So, um, by the way, uh, this is Tiffany here. I lived in uh, Cleveland for a few years. This is horrifying, and you hardly hear anything about it. Um, to you, Jen Koffendoffer, um, you just heard uh, the doctor say, you know, he spoke to his, you know, the detectives in this unit, and they are uh, repeat runaways. Um, what about the fact that a lot of these kids run away over and over again in terms of uh, how it factors in to the reporting? sort of worse than it is. I mean, we all agree that one is too many. And certainly to highlight the missing in this country is long overdue. And, and so it's a wonderful thing that it's being highlighted. But when we're talking about runaways, really, it's, it's so really mind boggling to find out what is going on that you have 10, 11, 12 year olds, 13 year olds running away from home. Um, so I think it's an issue that needs to be looked at so closely by social services, not just law enforcement, but what is really going on in these homes. And, and Scott, Columbus in Ohio happens to lead the state uh, with reports of missing children. That's according to the Ohio Attorney General's office. But Scott, you know, you and I are close in age. You live in Cleveland. I'm just wondering if you've heard this as a problem uh, on the ground where you live. I mean, is it an issue? Do people talk about this? It's a, I think people talk about it on a regular basis. I, I know certainly on the local Cleveland news, um, you know, there, uh, there, you know, there's one station that I know, Channel 8, Box 8, a good friend of mine, uh, news reporter, Ed Gallup, uh, works there. Uh, and they have a segment on there every night on the news. Of, and and I, I apologize to her. I can't remember her name right now. I don't have a lot. I don't watch a whole lot of TV. But uh, it's a, she's a victim of the Ariel Castro uh, kidnapping that was famous here in Ohio several, maybe a decade or so ago. And she now is an on-air personality who has a missing kids uh, segment every night on the news. Um, so I think it is something that the news community focuses on. But, you know, and I don't want to raise a, uh, a negative tone about, you know, the legacy media, but, you know, we have some issues with regard, and I'm talking like uh, I'm cooking pasta over here, but, um, uh, but we've got some issues with regard to how the news media reports these cases. Uh, you know, a case of that little girl in New York uh, last night that ran away or got, was on a bike ride around a campground, and then she was gone for 12 hours, and they found her in a cupboard of a camper uh, two miles off the track. It was all over the news, front headlines, everywhere. Cute little white girl. That gets front page pub all day. Look at John Bonnie Ramsey, front page pub all day. Gabby Petito, front page all day. But then when we have kids of color, unfortunate means, you know, poverty where their families don't have this well of support to urge the media, you know, uh, I, I think those cases get underreported. And I think that, you know, not just Cleveland, but I, or Ohio, but in all of the United States, we should 
care about the the kids that are most at risk because the kids from the you know the wealthy suburban homes yeah every once in a while that happens they get kidnapped but those are not by far the majority of the cases but that gets the majority of the couple yeah uh, art art nixie by the way uh saying ninety seven thousand missing people which i read at uh, the beginning is over all time. That's not the way it's worded. And if it is, it's worded very strangely. Um, so I'll have to dig into that. And uh, Dr. Looney, I don't know if you know that 97,000 figure. That's according to the National Crime Information Center that there are 97,000 total active missing people. But maybe it is over the entirety of record keeping. I don't know. Do you happen to know, uh, Jen? And it's kind of like this thousand uh, missing person uh, that it's really, over, uh, you know, the time frame. And again, it's about reporting. And the only reason I think it is important to really hone in on these statistics, Joel, is because we want to really work with truth and and facts and and uh, understand what what is really happening happening dynamically with the missing. And if if figures are inflated, if it's not made clear that it's from the beginning of record keeping to now, uh, it's not that it's not an important issue, but I think it's important that we understand really what we're dealing with. Um, and by the way, the Ohio Attorney General, uh, credit to him, I mean, he said uh, one missing child is too many, but he also says here, uh, we know that law enforcement recovers 90% of the children that go missing. Uh, again, with that being said, one kid missing is one too many. I mean, if a thousand kids are missing in Ohio, we're talking about a hundred kids that aren't accounted for. And uh, Art Nixie here is on my case, and I get it, and I appreciate Art Nixie here. Uh, even the DA whose website got the story story started acknowledged the data was not current, includes anyone called in, uh, but not the resolution. So, you know, Art Nixie, that's why we're doing the show is to get some clarity on this. Um, try to understand it better, but I appreciate that. Um, and to you, um, Dr. Looney, if some of the cases are runaway and quote unquote unruly cases, what, what does that mean to the overall statistics that we're seeing? Thank you. So again, uh, what that means to the numbers, as Jennifer mentioned, the data becomes skewed in the sense of reporting, active missing, uh, repeat reports, and again, that just um, it conflicts with what it you know the perception is versus the reality of how many kids are actually missing. Of course, the numbers are a starting point to understand uh, what needs to be done. I mean, it's a collective effort. It's going to take that effort of community, these types of um, discussions, uh, social media, and all the above. So we have all of this um, social media, all these platforms to consider. And we just have to have continue the discussion, continue the efforts to um, provide maybe a different reporting or recovery documentation effort. Uh, again, if there's a child that's missing again and they are recovered the same day, I spoke with detectives also. I understand that you could make 20 calls a day, recover seven children, and four may go back uh, missing again or they're still actively documented and reported the next day if they have not been found. 
So again, a lot of um, considerations, as I mentioned, maybe foster um, care, maybe it's neglect. There are reasons why they're actually running away, essentially, or uh, it could be unruly. Um, again, so we have to identify those things. I agree with Jennifer mentioning some type of mental health component, social component for counseling uh, to tie back into the community effort and uh, the collective effort with law enforcement, social systems, and parents. Uh, well put. Uh, Mo Dean is America's favorite troll. Uh, he's usually trolling, but I think this is a serious question. Scott Roeder, um, <clears throat> I know uh, you love a good conspiracy theory every once in a while, and I don't yeah. want to raise any flags here, but um, the question is, with so many missing children, uh, is, it powerful, is it possible that powerful people are involved in some way? I mean, I think the the better question is these numbers, despite the fact that it sounds like the record keeping is a bit skewed for a variety of reasons, it's still a big number. Um, I don't know if you had to guess Scott Roeder. I mean, we're obviously thinking about Jeffrey Epstein. Um, but what do you what, what do you think is at play here? Do you think it's uh, a combination of bad parenting and kids running away? Um, technology? overriding uh, young people's mindset? I don't know. What do you think's at play here? Yeah, obviously, we're, we're speculating here, right, uh, as to uh, trying to have a good conversation about, um, well, one, why? We had a question earlier. What's going on in these homes, right, that is going to you know, make these kids want to run away? Um, I mean, not everybody. I think that's, you know, I'm going to side with the teenagers on this one because, you know, not everybody grows up in a house where you there as a kid you know i know you know i, I, I love my parents and they're wonderful people still alive wonderful people i love them to death but when i was a kid i wanted to run away Matter of fact i did when i was 15 years old uh so you know i think a lot of people can relate you know to the young people that you feel isolated and you don't um you fit in and you want to get out and, and that's a uh, an urge teenagers have uh, when they're in a situation they're not happy. They want to get out. And sometimes they get out and they get into a situation where things get out of hand and they start relying upon people that don't have their best interests at heart. And that's where the predators come in, right? And we talked about the predators before in the wild. What do those people do? What do these animals do? They look for the least defensible hog with months all the heart, you never see a hog get killed, a little baby hog, when the big mom is there, right? Because that mom will kill a lion, even though it's half the size. I think same thing with kids and predators on the street here. They see a kid who's defenseless, and uh, you know they, they become predators. Uh, and, and I think it's a combination of this teenage angst, uh, bad situations, and then we have a land that's filled with predators um so it's eight o'clock you know that's kind of my take um jen you know we did a recent show about uh this young girl who went missing from uh chandler arizona and wound up in montana um with a much older man and she's now legal um and we had a guest on then who said and, and scott was kind of alluding to this just now that the predators used to lurk, you know, do you want some candy in their car? They drive by in the van, but now they're right on that technology in the child's bedroom. How big, um, 
an X factor is that in terms of children who go missing, the fact that these predators, like Scott said, are literally on your kids' tablets in their bedroom. Joe, it's so funny. We must be connecting mentally because the entire time uh, I was just hoping you would bring that up. It's all about, I think, why we're seeing a huge number of missing initially for sure is because of the internet, is because of gaming, is because that these predators are now in their bedroom and kids are spending hours and hours and hours on games and on YouTube and 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 that's their world now. Um, I have a teenager and I can tell you he spends an inordinate amount of time on his devices. But you know, he also has to get straight A's and have to has to play three sports. So as long as he does all that, I let him have his tablet time. But the bottom line is that puts those people in his bedroom with him, potentially, if you don't do the proper safeguards. And uh, doctor, I'd love for you to weigh in on that. My kid, I have three kids. The youngest is four. He's a total tab tablet addict already. I'm um, trying to pry it out of his hands. But what is your advice to parents whose kids, I mean, that's just the age we live in now. It's so difficult. But what's your advice to, uh, to parents whose kids are... Uh, you know, that, that tablet is our new pacifier. Oh, good. Thank you. And, um, as Jennifer said, I'm going to um, uh, attach to her statement of the Internet, the social media, the connectivity, essentially. So we have to basically become nosy once again in our kids' lives. I understand we want to be their friends. We want to give them a voice, right, as they need, of course. We want to rear them in accordance with becoming young adults responsible and all the above. But as, as Jen, Jennifer mentioned, I'm sorry, I called you Jen. Um, we have to integrate and we have to engage with the connectivity because we don't know a lot of their discussions they're having. We don't know essentially, or they may not know who their friends are, or who they think their friends are. As Scott mentioned, these predators are actively pursuing their gaming. They're on the social media and just just about every day I see kids walking, they're actually crossing the street on their phone, not even paying attention, whether there's um, the green uh, or the hand to go or stop. So they're fully immersed in the technology. And again, this is a wonderful start of discussion. This is actually much needed on a continuous basis. And we have to treat this as an epidemic, even if the numbers are not reflecting that because we can't afford to have any of our kids um, unsafe, accessible, and, and prey, as uh, Scott mentioned. And uh, Jody Johnson writes, uh, Scott, we need more uh, data researchers. Also, I heard someone here say that people don't report when someone is found, uh, which I've heard as well. Uh, by the way, apparently Australia has about 38,000 missing a year under 18. That's a significant number because they're a much smaller country uh, population-wise. But what about the idea of adding more data researchers? Because it seems like the data is very skewed. Well, I mean, uh, I think the one thing we don't have a shortage of in the world today is data researchers, data mining, uh, data this, data that, right? Because uh, data is the new money. It's the new Bitcoin. It's the new cash for play. If you have somebody's data, you have predictability over their behavior better than they know themselves from what these AI people seem to tell me. Uh, so 
you can look at, uh, you know, you sit, talk to your phone, or you're walking down the street and, you know, you say something like, you know, I really should fix that drywall hole in the basement. And then the next thing I know, I pick up my phone, advertisement for drywall in my Amazon bag, right? So, you know, data is, can be controlled if there is an interest to uh, uh, put the minds together to do it. But unfortunately, the reality of the situation is the talented people who are used uh, using this data who have predictability models, uh, they're doing it for money only, right? So this is a, a benevolent cause that you would need to recruit some very intelligent AI people to say, okay, these people are more at risk. Uh, I mean, if we're looking at some kind of implementing a plan to use AI to identify at-risk children for online predators, something like that, I'm sure that can be algorithmed up. Uh, but, you know, this is for a fee, right? Silicon Valley, you're not going to see an advertisement for that on the Super Bowl. Uh, but you're going to see an advertisement for sports betting and the AI and the uh, intuitive things that's going to, you know, and then being pampered with the ads. Uh, so I guess the point is, the technology is there, the expertise is there. It's just, is there a desire there to uh, implement some kind of a protection that's not a control mechanism, but rather is an educational open source tool so that we all can see where the pitfalls are, not just a couple of people who are crunching the numbers off the side that could be the spreadsheet. You know, I think some kind of open sourcing, you know, uh, red hot points of, you know, hey, these are dangerous spots. Don't go over here at this time of day. Discord is dangerous over here. Or don't do this on this app. Or you know, some kind of a, you know, we have uh, that technology for hackers, right? For this project with the uh, Irish uh, uh, law group where we did an animation to show the, uh, the, uh, the web, spot, web attacks coming from Russia and China and, and all this stuff into America and spear phishing attempts and all this stuff. Uh, so it's all trackable. And, and these people who have fake profiles that are talking to people, um, those are trackable. You know, you can identify those, uh, who those people are, and shut them down if they don't have a, a, uh, some kind of a, uh, you know, uh, an authentication identification as part of their avatar. Uh, they could be anybody, and then those should be questioned and set aside. Now we're talking, you know, computer science here, which is not expertise I'm a crime scene guy but you know this is, seems like that would make sense to me something like that maybe that's interesting the whole notion of uh, open sourcing kind of like ways is for directions uh chief john mcjoy yeah. um yeah he's the president of the cleveland family center for missing children and adults he's been very vocal against uh sort of the viral reporting on this he says these headlines and wordsmithing can create such panic and give a misleading account of the truth as we have seen, many of these cases are runaway teens. Such does not diminish the concerns of these cases because one child missing is one too many. So he's saying the same thing. However, law enforcement actively investigates these cases and dedicates resources to help bring the children home safely. And we know from uh, Dr. Detective Troy Looney that uh, law enforcement obviously is working this. I wanted to bring in a uh, uh, kind of a face to all of this, and that would be a a uh, young guy named Sean Williams. Uh, go ahead, Dr. Looney. I'm sorry, I was, I was uh, uh, so, okay, so essentially, yeah, I was following what you were saying, uh, just thinking in terms of um, the face or the context of that. Uh, and I like what Scott mentioned as far as integrating the technology open source. Uh, again, as you mentioned, we have all, all the data 
and it's just a matter of engaging and finding a way to um, specify and uh, narrow this down and just change the focus of interest, uh, even if it be a cyber task force or a portion of the existing task forces to, uh, again, like ICAC and other agencies um, across the board, including FBI and so forth. So it's just a matter of identifying um, resources for that and engaging the time and, and efforts to, um, to tap into the communications. Hey, can I shoot down my own idea? <laughs> like I just was thinking like, okay, let's say this is some kind of a ways thing where I love that idea, by the way, I'm thinking about that from a tangible application. You could integrate some kind of, you know, child safety software into like a ways mapping thing where, you know, say yeah. you could plug in there. Okay. These are known sexual predators. Bing, 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 you know, put a little glowing arrow, boom, boom, you know, stay away from these zones. This is a high crime zone, you know, stay away from over here. But then, you know, I could see communities being, you know, like, Hey, don't, you know, that the chamber of commerce from certain cities probably wouldn't like that. Right. So, um, so I'm sure there's probably problems with it, but I love the visual of using a ways map technology and integrating some type of human safety, thing i mean they do it with snapchat they do it with uh all different things right so why can't they integrate it into some kind of a map that has multi-purpose like a family ways right like maybe you could call it family ways we could crowdsource that family ways where we put in all these predators in there and then put in hot zones for dangerous neighborhoods time zones hey is your kid remember that program back i remember when i was a kid they had this thing on every celebrity in the world came on the TV at nine o'clock. It's nine o'clock. Do you know where your kid is? On Fox. It was a Fox station. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's got to That's excellent. Right. Go ahead. ahead, Excellent point. And you're right. I'm sorry. Technology is the gift and the curse, but it can be created because let's face it. We've heard of algorithm. Uh, That is just a set of protocols. And as you, uh, with technology integrated and with open source, elements and so forth. So just as you mentioned, Scott, with you can talk about drywall and you have the ad or commercial. The same existing technologies just has to be repurposed for this cause. And um, again, the links for National Center of Missing Exploited Children and all of the entities just have to, again, uh, come together as we all do work in collaboration already. And uh, we have articles like this or awareness. This actually is going to further the cause for safety. That's what it should be about. Um, Jen, I wanted to get your comment on this before you have to bounce over to the uh, competing network. Um, H. Heinemann, um, some are lured away by human traffickers and are viewed as runaways, but are actually held against their will. Uh, there are human trafficking posters all over the Ohio rest uh, highway rest areas. Obviously, they're a gazillion major uh, highways that do run through Ohio. Um, How serious is the issue of child trafficking? And again, Ohio is the fourth worst in terms of statistics in the nation. But what can we do about human trafficking? Trafficking is a huge issue. You know, fortunately, uh, the FBI, uh, uh, the U.S. Marshals, uh, the federal authorities are really starting to put a lot of resources into this. 
and the U.S. Attorney's Office have made it a high priority, and we're starting to see these huge takedowns. I know I was just involved with a story yesterday about a huge takedown, and it's a very significant uh, situation that's been going on, and unfortunately, with our border crisis, it's only going to get worse because you have all these juveniles, all these children coming across the border, uh, some with parents, some without parents, and that makes them so completely uh, vulnerable, uh, as Scott mentioned. They're the vulnerable, uh, you know, that are looking, and, and then you have the predators that are all around them. So it's pretty, pretty frightening. I, I did want to uh, mention something though before I have to bounce. And that is at the root of all of these runaways, though, are the parents even home? You know, we live in this society now where you've got mom working, you've got dad working, and nobody is really home monitoring, especially a lot of these teenagers, because it's an economic situation. It just can't be afforded. And so I think really somehow uh, having a, a family network somehow to help keep these kids wanting to be home and, and keeping an eye on these kids is really important. And then finally, I just wanted to end with everybody asked, what can I do? And, and this was a, something I was never involved in until the Gabby Petito story really just wrapped me up in, in missing children advocacy and the missing as a whole, Joel. And you can get on it doesn't matter what your social media is, whether it's Twitter or, or uh, TikTok, and help put the faces and names of these children out there. If everyone did that, imagine the amount of exposure these kids would get, and hopefully somebody would see something and they could be found. So I just wanted to end with that. Thank you, Jen. And uh, I met Jen at CrimeCon, a very beautiful person on the inside and out. So thank you, Jen, for joining us. Uh, we will have you back again soon. And uh, tell News Nation we say hello. I'll give them a free plug. How about that? Till next time. All right. Till next time, Jen. Thank you. Uh, Shaq, Shaq Oatmeal, the best name in all of uh, social media and uh, podcasting, says, uh, some parents are so wrapped up in their own lives that they have no idea what their kids are doing, which is exactly what Jen was just saying. I want to put a uh, kind of a, a face to all of this. Um, Space Coast, if we have Kashawn Williams' uh, photo, uh, the family of 15-year-old Kashawn Williams is among those now coping with the uncertainty. Uh, they're trying to track his last known steps. Um he was last seen in June, actually on uh, June 20th, following a house party. And you see his missing poster there and a picture of him. Not the greatest photo, but that's what uh, they put out on the uh, missing poster. But it was following a uh, house party. His whereabouts remain unknown since June 20th. There have been searches by law enforcement. Uh, there was actually an amber alert issued uh, for him, and uh, he still has not been found. A quick backstory. A uh, Cleveland police detective, a guy named Ryan Corrigan, said that the teen had called his aunt late that night, and that was the last outgoing call or text made from his phone. And he called her crying, the detective said. She said, hey, it's okay, just come home. He said he didn't want to come home yet. 
And uh, friends reported seeing him a few days later. He was beaten up in the back of a vehicle at a gas station a few blocks away. That's what prompted this Amber Alert. Um, Dr. Detective Looney, I mean, how troubling is that? This sounds like a legitimate case or something you know, sinister happened here. We don't know. Uh, he's been missing since June 20th. He was beaten up. Um, where do you go with this? So looking at the, this is terrible. And um, it being an Amber Alert, again, I know it's it's been broadcast. And I guess essentially we have to go back to um, friends, family, associates, the location last seen, a location where he was living, where he didn't want to go back to to really examine the root of every element involved. What was home life like? Um, what's the reasons why I didn't want to go back? Why was he beat up? Uh, again, a thorough and um, investigative uh, deep dive into, you know, the tracking and tracing, again, with uh, social media, electronic devices, and um, hopefully friends and associates will be willing to come forward and you know, give some light or some kind of indicators as to you know, what can we do and what was going on in Kishan's life? So what what was actually happening? And um, again, as everything is documented and there's trails, ways to track evidence and data, we just have to really get into this and on a, um, a strict and um, nonstop basis, uh, a tireless effort essentially to, you know, look into you know, what can we do and um, how can we... Um, backtrace and, and determine you know, where, whereabouts and what may have happened. So um, I'm just curious, doctor, how would this weigh on you? I mean, you're an active investigator. Let's say this was your case. Um, you know, this is someone that could be our child, obviously. Uh, how, how would it weigh on you? It's troubling. Uh, again, so uh, everyone has a, a different approach. And as Scott mentioned, there's other factors. And um, you have to really care about people to help people first and foremost so uh, re really it's not about i'm tired it's the end of my shift it's about you know you have to put the time and put the work in and engage i'm not saying it's not being done but i just mean that it does take the extra effort just even a little extra effort to get results and, and make a difference so if this means pulling kids aside uh friends and family i mean and uh, just really having a, just an off-the-record discussion even sometimes to get to finding, you know, finding the, the missing person, right? Finding Kashan. I mean, it, it's about safety. It's about uh, identifying, even if it has to be some kind of agreement to um, protect him first, bring him home, and, uh, and then deal with the issues and factors as a result. Deal with that after we have him secure. Um, and you see here, uh, Liz W. with a super sticker as a retired data analyst, garbage in, garbage out, causes scrubbing and reporting discrepancies, even in research results. Uh, and of course, Scott was saying, you know, it's it's the world of uh, mining data, which is true. That's what we're living in. I was curious about Amber Alerts uh, being triggered and for a missing child case to qualify as an Amber Alert. There's some strict gu guidelines. There has to be credible information suggesting that the child under 18 was forcibly or intentionally taken or lured away, and the law enforcement agency has to believe the child is in serious danger. There also has to be enough of a description of the child and or their alleged abductor and their vehicle to share with the public to help find them. So there's kind of a high threshold in order to uh, trigger an Amber Alert, but 
Uh, Scott Roeder, to you, and pardon me, I don't even know if you have kids or not. I, my guess is you do, um, and I think you probably mentioned it, and I was busy doing some other things here on this interesting evening, but um, I don't know. What kind of parenting suggestions do you have? You're a no-nonsense guy, and part of this issue is definitely parenting. I'm at fault. My kids are uh, all addicted to their tablets, but sometimes it's easier to let them be that way. What what would you know? What would you suggest? Because you know you're dealing with that. If my if my kids heard me get asked this question, and they're like, "You want his advice on how to be a fighter?" No. Uh, you know, I, I think that you know, I mean, I, I, raising kids now. I would like to make an announcement. I just found out I'm going to be a grandfather. Oh, I'm having a boy. Congrats. Yeah. We say yeah. mazel tov here. Uh, Congrats you. to uh, you. Congratulations, yes. Yeah, so, so you know, I'm taking a look at this uh, from a, you know, a standpoint of, you know, I mean, I had three, ch- I have three children, but they're all adults now. My youngest daughter is 25. My 27 my, was the new father, and then 29, my oldest son. Um, uh, but now that, you know, I'm going to have a, little grandbaby on the way. I mean, you look at these things differently, right? Of who's going to be at risk. Uh, you know, I think being involved, um, you know, is important, caring, and then limiting uh, and not being a friend. I, I was not a great friend to my kids um, because they needed to be scared that, you know, something was bad was going to happen to them if they didn't participate in my dictatorship. And it was clearly a dictatorship is my way or, you know, shut up. I'll make another one that looks just like you, except this one won't be stupid, you know, um, kind of an attitude with your children. Um, it doesn't mean you don't love them. I, of course, I love my children. I drove myself in front of a bus right now for my unborn grandson. Uh, and I think that's it, right? You know, you just have to care about your family enough that you would jump in front of a bus for them. Um, you know, I don't know who am I to teach other people or say anything, even to comment. You know, I think we're all lucky to be alive. We're all lucky to be healthy. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are not lucky. There's a lot of people that are living much different lives than Dr. Lumi and myself and, and you, Joel. Um, uh, uh, you know, so it's those people that we need to think about what, you know, how do, how do we make their lives uh, more accessible so that they care more about their lives as much as we care about our lives, right? Well, well put. Uh, consider yourself lucky if you're just alive and breathing. Uh, little Monster, 1325 here. Hardly any police budgets, uh, Dr. Looney, or even the FBI budgets have much directed towards human trafficking. Most of their budgets go toward drugs, etc. Human trafficking needs more funding in every department. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, I do know there's a large amount of... Uh, uh, assets that are um, seized uh, from the drug trafficking. So that should be funneled towards this effort specifically. Uh, I, do, I do know there are agencies that use seizures of drug um, money, monies and um, assets for training. So if we can use it for training, we can use it for um, human trafficking as well. I mean, this is a huge, huge problem. And it's not always a, a large organization. It could be as small as one or two individuals that are facilitating uh, the efforts and, and um, uh, creating a hub in various locations. So it does. it's going to take a collective effort. And uh, as Jennifer was mentioning, um, it's going to take the community. It, it takes that, and maybe we can integrate something as such as even advertisements 
um, to post pictures, posters of kids, right? Uh, bring awareness. Again, uh, I like the idea of leveraging the data to um, create the awareness, create the, if it, we can consider it an advertisement, right? But it's still awareness. It's still part of the discussion. And again, not just when there's a um, article that's published or posted, but consistently. It's about consistency and it's about just being diligent. But as, as Scott said, a lot of the home lives, all of our home lives are different. When I was a Lasky kid growing up, both my parents worked, uh, both now um, deceased, but you know, I walked home, I had a key around my neck, I let myself in, and um, you know, I had to wait until they got home or someone got home. But again, that fear factor was there. Things are a lot different now. And uh, again, technology is a gift and a curse as far as the kids understanding, learning a lot faster, um, as, as they're, they're also creative, highly creative, and uh, highly advanced, more advanced than we were as children. So it, it is, it's going to take the funneling of those seizures towards this, this uh, focus, human trafficking and missing and exploitation. No, Dr. Looney's parents are looking down very proudly at him uh, with all that he has accomplished. Again, he's the only doctor detective that we've had on STS. We've had a gazillion best guests. So uh, he holds that. Uh, I, I the hold doctor that. comes before. That's the first. If you got to go with just one, you're going with Doc, right? <laughs> that, that's fine. I'm, I've been called worse. So. <laughs> <laughs> If I really like a doctor, you know, I just say, you know, what's up, doc? I what's mean, up? I right, feel like right, that's right. a universal, right? You know, that works. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm works, actually, yeah. if I'm a detective and a doc, I'm throwing out both right at the same time, <laughs> yeah. doc detective. But um, Meg P, talking about technology, I mean, we have this. I, by the way, I have my kids air tag. They wear a little watch with an air tag in it at school. My wife set that up, but I got Ethel, yeah. Ethel Bug, my boxers, also air tag because she likes to jump over oh, the fences. Wow. And it's uh, in a waterproof collar. So I'm taking care of my kids and my dog as well, making sure that uh, she doesn't go anywhere. Um, Dr. Looney, you know, you, you were kind enough to actually send over some questions. Usually we, we don't always do that. There are times uh, for full disclosure, but usually I generate most of the questions. And we talked about this a little bit, but you were asking, are there any programs or social media avenues to consider to help with missing children awareness? And you mentioned ICAC uh, and national centers. What, what is the ICAC and uh, what do you recommend in that regard? Again, the uh, I, it's an acronym for Internet Crimes Against Children. So essentially, um, it's a, an organization, a task force. So collectively, to bring together multi-jurisdictional agencies to work in collaboration, and not just for um, internet crimes, internet-related crimes against children, but this is an all-hands-on-deck effort. So essentially, when there are suspicious circumstances, uh, such as with uh, Keyshawn, um, Amber Alerts, and what have you, this is all-hands-on-deck. Any information that's shared or distributed that looks unusual or if it looks like it's something of an abduction case or a custody case or interference with custody, all hands on deck. So it's a whole entirely new different approach taken an effort to um, approach that investigation. And can we do that with all of them? Uh, we can think in that aspect, but you require the facts and the data or some kind of additional 
uh, data to show um, this is unusual or something doesn't just feel right. This is outside the norm of the child's behavior or adult's behavior also. Uh, this question is right back at you, Dr. Looney, from Mind of Monsters. Uh, from a law enforcement point of view, why is it like pulling teeth to get an Amber Alert? Uh, do you have a simple answer for that? Uh, there's no simple answer for that. Again, this criterion to trigger the Amber Alert, and um, there's there's no easy answer, of course, for any of this. But it's going to take, again, community, collective effort. If you see something, say something. There are agencies such as the National Crimes uh, that take donations, um, all the task force, local, federal, state, county law enforcement that work in collaboration. So it's an ongoing effort. This is not something that's a one time. I mean, you can donate on a one time basis, but my understanding also you can donate monthly. And again, it's just a matter of sharing the information. Social media is free, essentially. So we can share that, have the discussions. Uh, create focus groups, create the, uh, again, mental health component uh, also, which already exists as well. Um, so a lot of agencies that exist just have to bring the awareness and um, provide access or the links to that. So again, back to the data. It's about the links, the connectivity, the awareness and discussion. Well put. And a couple more things I will begin to wrap. Uh, thank you, Mick Spunky, or MC Spunky, as I call you. But I guess it's Mick Spunky. Uh, the COE and I were discussing that, believe it or not, the other night. Um, I guess it is Mick Spunky. Trying to help keep uh, STS Nation train a chug and appreciate that. Uh, again, you guys can help through Patreon or becoming a YouTube member. If you can't do that, please give us five stars on Apple. It goes a long way, believe it or not. And then look at this flowing in from Stephanie. Congratulations to Scott. Congratulations to Scott. Congratulations to Scott. Congratulations to Scott. Who is Scott? A podcaster? Scott, if you would see, if you rolled those sleeves up, he's a tat-sleeved artist of a badass man is how I would describe him. He, uh, he runs, he founded the evidence room. He does crime scene reconstruction. Uh, and he works in concert with people like uh, Dr. Looney to reenact crimes. And he did it for a pretty well-known guy named Oscar Pistorius, who's serving a sentence for murder in South Africa. So uh, Scott Roeder has grown that business into something to behold. So he's not just a podcaster. He's um, the founder of The Evidence Room and an all-around good guy. Myself, a professional podcaster. If anybody gone over to Crime Scene Time Machine, and listen to my podcast, you'll understand it's not a very polished podcast. And sometimes it's not even about crime scenes. A lot of times we're just talking about UFOs and, you know, sometimes I'm talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson or, you know, we're, we're doing an episode on this or that or whatever. So, but I, you know, it's a, it's an ad free situation We're not taking any money. It's uh, just for ca- kind of got a little bit of catharsis, but the, the real job evidence room, you know, we're, you know, right now we're working on a case in London. We're working on several cases in Australia. Uh, but the thing I wanted to talk to you about, Dr. Lumi, is, um, you know, for example, like when we were talking about that Waze program, you know, like if something developed, I've found historically, you know, being a private consultant doing what I do, that on active cases, law enforcement is sometimes resistant on, you know, taking any assistance or co-op in collaboration, even at the request of families at times. Uh, I understand for integrity of investigation and so forth, but is there a way to bridge, um, you know, private consulting with law enforcement uh, in voluntary ways that 
it, it could genuinely, you know, add some kind of a benefit. Um, I think, and also working with the public moms and dads on, you know, where are these kids at nine o'clock? You know, let's start tracking them down. Um, like as a parent app, would, would law enforcement want to open source that kind of a thing for, for this limited purpose of like missing kids and stuff? Is that something that you think would have legs? So excellent question, Scott. Thank you so much for, I was already thinking along those lines. So essentially, you know, what we're finding in, um, I teach other courses and what have you, and it's all about, you know, law enforcement, as you know, is resistant to training. Oh, more training, more training. But that is required. That's required for all of us. Training for law enforcement, training for parents, training for the community, training for agencies and so forth. Uh, so we have to become, again, lifelong learners. So what that does, what that means is, yes, there's room for the introduction of the crime analysis, I'm going to call that, essentially because that's what's required uh, the data analysis. So it could be that ways type program or some other program that's developed or created. Uh, in fact, that is already, uh, that's been in the back of my mind for discussion and development. And there are training components and other entities that offer free training resources for the public. Uh, I work for the University of Akron also as an instructor, and a senior lecturer, and we're integrating and developing curriculum and training for the public for law enforcement, for students, for parents, and so forth, the entire community at large. Again, it's going to take that discussion. It's going to take those kind of resources. And this is free training, essentially. So uh, there's yeah, different think, dynamics. Yeah, I think you're right. Having law enforcement be involved in the schools, have that approachable, you know, yeah. I'm not wearing a gun, law enforcement. I'm law, I'm right. detective, but I don't have right. a gun. We're talking, you know, you know having right. that relationship with the moms and dads is going to make reporting easier right they're going to yes, they're going to want the approach because they see it at the grocery store they see it at the mall um you know i think having that home officer rule i think that was implemented in ohio maybe 10 yeah. 15 years ago you have to live in the district where you um uh, serve uh yes. was a great help to kind of help integrate law enforcement with everyday people um because you see the police officer that's giving you the ticket at the grocery store. And if your kid goes missing, these people are approachable. We're a community again, um, you know, held together, but it's not pushed out by the cops, but the cops are part of us every day. You know, that's, yeah. I think that's where it's gotta go. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We're all human. Right. And uh, we all put our yeah. pants on the same way. So uh, regardless of, of whoever it is. So yeah, we do have yeah. to show that, that we have that caring factor. And again, as I said, to help one another, we have to have to be genuinely concerned and genuine yep. about what that means. So if nothing else, let's do it for the love of the kids and love of, you know, safety and security for, for the children, all of us as well. By the way, everyone's yeah. making fun of me for tagging, air tagging my boxer. I thought I, everyone was doing that, but I must be the only one. Uh, you don't air tag your dog, Scott? I know you have a dog, Scott. I got my dog Dexter, but I actually, a funny story of my friend had an air tag. I was down visiting him in Pompano Beach with the dog, and the air tag fell out of the collar. I thought it was my air tag from like my backpack. So I take it, and anyway, I'm flying home. It's like, you, you stole my dog? <laughs> you know, they saw the dog flying across the country. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I digitally stole somebody's dog by accident. So that was kind of funny. That's, that's the downside of technology. Mind of Monsters here <laughs> says there are over 200 missing kids in New York on the National Missing and Exploited Children website alone. Why do we not see the governor involved in these cases? Um, 
Dr. Looney, I mean, does it need to go up the ranks? Uh, the attorney general in Ohio was, uh, you know, putting their two cents in. Does this, when we're dealing with the issue of missing children and actual missing children, not just some, you know, discrepancies in reporting uh, quirks, uh, does the governor, does it have to go that high? Do they need to get involved in finding these children? So essentially, thank you, Joel. So yeah, what, I, what comes to mind for that is, yes, uh, they need to get involved. But we also can almost develop our own influencers because just like media and television, the social media has become more powerful, as we all know. The reporting has become a lot faster, right? So we'd have cases where I could be working, whereas we're, you know, we have that, we try to have that discretion and respect for the families to at least deliver any kind of news in person, even if it's a minor assault or injury. We like to talk with them go to the house, deliver in person. But now with technology, they know they're on the scene before we even get notified or call. So we have to leverage that to uh, introduce legislation, introduce the awareness, introduce the discussions with the higher up so that we, let's just call it what it is, let's put pressure to provide solutions. So if that means calling, letters and so forth, emails, text, whatever, TikTok videos, right? A lot of people spend hours and hours on TikTok and the social media, but this could be as simple as integration of an ad that's a missing persons poster and so forth to add to the policy in terms of service, right? So imagine how that can bring awareness and bridge the gap with uh, federal, state, local, and government entities and government um, politicians, right? So if we make it a requirement for the policy, we can't ignore it. By the way, hey, Mona says maybe Joel has dial up Wi-Fi. It's possible the way things are going on my end tonight. I'm going to have to figure that out. Um, I remember I remember that uh, phone line, you know, that whatever it was. Um, oh, yeah. The disc yeah. you get a thousand hours. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And, and right. McSpunky's giving yeah. me McSpunky's giving me a hard time. He says, Jesus, take the wheel from Joel. Uh you know, McSpunky, I'm doing like 19 things at once simultaneously. So give me a break. Um, oh, you want it, me to spice things up a little bit? Uh, yeah, I want so, you to you know, Scott, I want you to respond oh, to this. This commenter okay. says, I'm from Ohio. So glad I got out alive. Would you like to respond to that? Oh, yeah, baby. Run. <laughs> Run. Run faster. Yeah, man. Yeah, get out. Yeah, get out. It is bad news here. I am being attacked. As we speak, I got to hold on. Let me get my fat out. (laughs) Scott Duffy, what were you going to say, Scott Duffy? I mean, not Scott Duffy, Scott Roeder. Scott Scott Duffy's on every Friday. My bad. But I was going to say was, uh, uh, you know, one of the things about getting eyeballs on this subject matter, right? People need to care about missing kids, right? So there is leverage. So maybe how maybe we leverage a conspiracy theory, right? Epstein Island is that a conspiracy theory anymore, Joel? I mean, is Epstein Island? You know what? I, it's not because that a conspiracy. Can we talk about that? I don't want to get on alive. You can say whatever you want, Scott Roeder. I can't, but you can. <laughs> Just but, send the hate mail to Scott Roeder. That's all. Send it right over. No, because uh, I'm actually researching a podcast on. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm going to do it or not, but. Um, uh, on uh, Marina Abramovich, right? And, you know, the kind of influence that she's now the Ukrainian 
ambassador. I don't know if you know about this person. It's an interesting story. But it's all connected in a weird way to, you know, just kind of a culture where I think some, maybe a small, small group of uh, predators, as we know, elites, right? People that took that trip down to, that. Uh, I hear it's going to be a resort now. That'll be nice. Put in a couple of slides. <laughs> I mean, you know, so, you know, I don't know. There might be there. Maybe you could leverage that story to, you know, get hub for the real story. Because um, I know, you know, that's a big, big story. Matter of fact, it's such a big story. You really can't even talk about it. That's why I'm dancing around because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get shot. But, um, but you know, there, in, in certain circles, that is a story. Leverage that. When there was a big movie out recently, right? where um that caused a lot of controversy i didn't see it i don't really follow media and stuff but i understand that there was a big controversy and why didn't that maybe instead of it that should have gone toward well let's look at the kids in our local neighborhood what's going on here right because you have these big national stories but i think all that matters is your personal neighborhood right so take the warnings from the stories to implement them into your personal neighborhoods right and um, it takes more than one person you know to to do that you know, I'm joking around a little bit about that, about that other stuff, but, um, you know, you know, sometimes maybe that's a headline, you know, you, you sandbag them with that headline, but, you know, but let's look at it for real here locally. You know, a lot of people can speculate about what happens to these national cases, but you can't do anything about it. It's just, it's above us. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a A line. We got to live our life on that, that C line, right? Uh, well put, gentlemen. On that note, uh, we are going to have to start to wrap up. Special thanks to Jen Koffendoff for her career in federal law <laughs> enforcement as a retired FBI agent. You know, Scott Roeder, he's an internationally recognized evidence specialist, founder of the Evidence Room. He's consulted over 1,500 cases. And of course, we've got Dr. Detective Troy Looney, a PhD. You don't hear that very often. Dr. Detective, he began his career in Akron, Ohio. He's lived there his uh, entire life. Uh, and he's been working in the department for 30 years since 1992. I think he says he has two more years to go. So yes. huge shout out uh, to both of you. And until next thank time, you. thank you. Love you, America. Thank you. Love you, Cleveland. And love you, Akron. Until next time. Thank you. Pleasure meeting you. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and... The chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way 
This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. <laughs> 